If you want someone to remember your message, tell them a story. Uh, modern day brain images have shown that when people are told the story, their brains light up with engagement. But give people a list of facts, give them a list of statistics, even though they're true, the brain becomes much more passive. Now, as powerful as stories are, to really make an idea stick, add to it an image. Add an image to the story. This adds a component to storytelling that words cannot. Images have speed. Uh, according to research compiled by 3M, images are processed 60,000 times faster than words, which means you can paint a word picture in people's minds much faster than the words of a story alone. If you want someone to remember your idea, tell them a story and show them a word picture. Jesus didn't need 3M to tell him that, did they? Did he? He knew it already. This is why Jesus so often used metaphor and allegories and Old Testament pictures that his original audience would have been familiar with. So when Jesus wants to teach the crowds and disciples about growing in God's presence, what does he give them? He gives them an image. He gives them an image to show what it looks like. Hear the words of Jesus in John chapter 15, verse 1 and verses 4 to 5. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Instead of a 10-point sermon on how Jesus will work in the disciples, what does Jesus do instead? He gives them an image. I am the vine, you are the branches. And immediately, immediately the disciples get it. You see, the image of a vine is used quite often in the Old Testament to describe the nation of Israel. So I want you to do this for me. Picture a grapevine. And what is the purpose of a grapevine with branches? It is expected to grow clusters of grapes to bless people who are hungry or thirsty. As God's people, that is what Israel was to do. Israel was to grow among the nations of the world and produce the fruit of God that was to be a blessing to all nations. In fact, we see that very image, that very word picture in Psalm chapter 80, verses 8 to 11. Listen to what it says. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and you planted it. You cleared the ground for it and it took root and it filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea, its shoots as far as the river. You see, as God blessed Israel and allowed them to flourish and spread among the nations, they were to use their blessings from God to be a blessing to the nations. But instead of being a blessing to the nations, Israel took God's blessings and used them for their own selfish purposes to the point that they wanted more. 
But Israel ran into a problem when they wanted more blessing without being a blessing to others. Because they weren't using the blessings as God intended, what does God do? Excuse me, what does Israel do? They want God's blessings back, but instead of turning to God to get the blessings to flow again, they begin worshiping other gods. Now, look what happens to Israel as a vine after they abandon God's presence and purpose. Listen to Ezekiel 15. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, how is the wood of a vine different from that of a branch from any of the trees in the forest? Is wood ever taken from it to make anything useful? Do they make pegs from it to hang things on? Let's stop here for just a moment. You see a grapevine, a grapevine without bearing fruit, just the vine itself, it was literally useful for nothing. Nothing. It, was, uh, it wasn't even able to be used to be a nail in the wall. A grapevine had one purpose, to grow grapes. Back to verse 4. And after it is thrown on the fire as fuel, and the fire burns both ends and chars the middle, is it then useful for anything? If it was not useful for anything when it was whole, how much less can it be made into something useful when the fire has burned it and it is charred? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, as I have given the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest as fuel for the fire, so will I treat the people living in Jerusalem. I will set my face against them. Although they have come out of the fire, the fire will yet consume them. And when I set my face against them, you will know that I am the Lord. I will make the land desolate because they have been unfaithful, declares the sovereign Lord. As we said, a grapevine is useful for only one purpose, to produce grapes. If it doesn't produce grapes, the vine has no usefulness. And that is what Israel is without God. They were useless. They were good for nothing but kindling to burn trash. You see, ever since Ezekiel's prophecy, Israel as the people of God were empty of God's power. They were empty of godly influence. Why? Because they ignored God's presence. Without God's presence, chaos erupted into Israel's life for the next 600 years as they were in exile. After that 600 years of chaos, Jesus arrives. And what is the message that he brings? Well, in John chapter 15, he says, I am the vine. You see, what Israel was unable to do, Jesus has now come to do. Jesus will be the faithful vine. Jesus will be the faithful vine that will bless the world by bringing God back to the nations. Jesus is the vine of blessing, and his disciples are the branches by which the world will be blessed. And this is why Jesus talks about only two types of branches in the vine. The first type is mentioned in verse 2 of John 15. It is the branches that bear no fruit. Did you know that a fruitless branch is actually a threat to the vine? How? 
let me give you an, let me give you an idea. Listen to the name that's given to fruitless branches. They're called sucker shoots. A sucker shoot is a branch that grows a bunch of leaves, but they never produce grapes. So all a sucker shoot does is suck life away from the branches trying to grow grapes. Well, if that happens too much on a vine, it takes all the life away from the fruitful branches. And so the gardener gets a smaller harvest. That is why the gardener regularly looks for sucker branches, sucker shoots to remove them to increase the future harvest. Isn't that interesting? Now, we do not have to guess what this image means, because back in John 13, we watch as a sucker shoot is taken away from among Jesus' disciples, Judas. Now, catch the truth here. Judas was a branch that looked like he was close to Jesus. Judas looked like he would be fruitful because we read how he healed the sick. Judas actually cast out demons. But as amazing as that all was, it became evident that the life of Jesus, the vine, was never in Judas, the branch. Judas was just a leafy branch, which never produced the fruit that is created as Jesus flows through a disciple. What that means is this. Judas was never transformed by the presence of Jesus. He only looked like he was connected to Jesus. That's an unfruitful branch. So the second type of branch is a living branch. Now a living branch, it allows the life of Jesus to flow through it to generate the fruit of Christ that blesses others. Now what exactly is this fruit that Jesus refers to? Jesus tells us in John 15 verses 9 to 14, here's what it says. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide. That word abide means stay close. Stay close in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will stay close in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I stay close in His love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment. Now, when he says that, we need to pay attention. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. In those verses, nine times the word love is used. Now, as we stay close to Jesus, as we stay connected to the love of Jesus flowing through us, we are changed, which is most evident in the love that we show to others. The love we show to other believers, the love we show to the lost, the love we show to those who are marginalized in society. If you want to check the fruit of your Christian life, look to see if your obedience to God's word is producing loving actions towards others. Let me say that one more time. If you want to check the fruit of your Christian life, look to see if your obedience to God's word is producing loving actions towards others. 
In fact, to help us to check the fruit of our Christian life, I want to give you a practice that will help you do that. This practice is called the prayer of examine. And we see it quite often in the Psalms. Let me just give you a couple examples. Psalm chapter 4, verse 4. In your anger, do not sin. And when you are on your beds, here it is, search your hearts and be silent. Uh, there's Psalm 26, verses 2 to 3. Test me, O Lord, and try me. And listen to what the psalmist then invites God to do. Examine my heart and my mind. You see, the prayer of examine, it makes use of four questions that we reflect on at the end of each day. And it's literally helping us to see, are we producing the loving actions that Jesus desires of us as branches? Here's question number one. When did I live out of the love of Christ in me today? When did I live out of the love of Christ in me today? Now, the point of this question is to see if Christ's love was evident in our life, in how we treated others. You, did you share Jesus with someone? Did you meet someone's need out of compassion that you had for them? Were you patient with the person many would be annoyed with? Maybe a slow cashier, maybe a demanding child. Did you show love and acceptance to someone others dismissed or looked down upon? Those are all tests and questions of our love for others. Is Christ's love flowing through us towards others? Here's question two. When did I have a critical and unloving thoughts today? Now, this is a tough one, but it's necessary because it focuses on our failure and weaknesses in obeying God's command and in our failures to show God's love. Let me give you an example. Maybe you complained to others about a task that you were given, or maybe uh, a person that you disagreed with and you were critical of them. Maybe you focused more on looking good rather than having the, the fruit of the Spirit known as goodness. Maybe you were wasteful with time, wasteful with money. Maybe you did too much, or maybe you did too little. With this awareness that we get from this question, that is when we're able to go to God and ask Him to forgive us and to help us live more by the love of Jesus that flows through us as a branch of Christ. Here's question three. Where have I noticed God's presence in any of this? Did I recognize God's presence in the divine appointments that he gave me to love others? Or maybe did I experience God's presence in the convictions that I felt when I avoided the opportunity? And finally, question four. What areas of my life are still untouched by Jesus? Those are four powerful questions. And if you ask them at the end of each day, you'll be able to gauge the fruit that your life is producing in Jesus. Brian Wilkerson tells of a unique tea set that he has at his home. And he writes this, We have a sterling silver tea, tea set at home that a family member gave us as a reminder of her love for us. It's quite old and beautifully made, and it sits on a stand in our dining room. But there's only one problem. We can't use it. 
Before she gave it to us, she had it chemically coated so that it wouldn't tarnish. So hot water will actually now ruin the finish. And listen to his insightful, Wilkerson's insightful ideas here. He says this, God's not looking for sterling silver tea sets. He's looking for rough and tumble clay pots, the kind that can be used every day. He's looking for the kind of pots that don't need to be tucked away in a china closet, but can be sent out into a crash bang world, carrying within them the life of Christ. The church, the church was never meant to be a china cabinet where precious pieces could be safely stored out of harm's way. The church was meant to be a working kitchen where, where well-worn pots are filled again and again to dispense their life-giving contents to a world thirsty and hungry for God. As a branch of Christ, the vine, you are blessed. Now, go be a blessing to others.